Thank you. 
started happening mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I think you know I think that'll be really interesting to people because I don't think you know pe- I don't think you sign up to be a drug addict I don't think you, I, like, I certainly volunteer, did you know, yeah. volunteer raise yeah. your hand I think mm-hmm. I'm going to be a drug addict right. you just, we're messing around 
doing your thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I uh, at the beginning it was very recreational. Um, a lot of uh, you know, if I had something fun to do, we would barbecue or um, I, I you know when I first discovered them, I, I was drinking <clears throat> drinking pretty frequently. And one of the big parts of it was it was a very good hangover cure for me. Mm. So that, the way it started was, you know, recreationally or, you know, after a night of drinking the next morning, um, I, would, I would use it to make myself feel better. Uh, and I would say pretty quickly, like I said, the first time I took it, I, I recognized that I loved the feeling. Right. So I'd say pretty quickly um, I started telling myself, hey, you know, if, if this is fun – you know, if I'm enjoying this barbecue now, like I, I can imagine how much I'm going to be enjoying it now. You know, we're going to go to see a movie tonight. Imagine how great I'm going to enjoy this movie if I take a couple of these. Um, now, is there certain pills that go with certain, like if you have ribs, you have Vicodin, and you, if you have like burgers, you got to go with the Oxy? No, or is it? no that's uh, uh, for me at the beginning. You know, it, it was difficult to find, so it was kind of a take whatever you can get type of situation. Okay. I'm just kidding. like white wine goes <laughs> right. There's no like protocol for pills. I, I I would mix up different colors just to you know break up the monotony of like life for a little bit, you know. But uh, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to blue it. pill, red <laughs> right, pill, right. Exactly. Exactly. whatever okay so like whatever you could get basically right. is what you're yeah. talking about mm-hmm. yeah and whatever you did whatever you did that was fun you started thinking that it would be more fun if yeah. you, if you oh, got yeah. high mm-hmm. and getting high for you was almost always either drinking or taking pills or what other things too yeah uh yeah i, I recreation i drank um you know frequently in my early 20s and uh, i experimented with other drugs um just anything and everything, whatever a friend had or, you know, whatever we decided that night or ran into. But once I discovered the pills, uh, everything else pretty much came abruptly to a halt because I, I had found the one I love and right. I wasn't going to waste money on ones that made me feel half as good. You know, I, I, sure. I was set in my ways pretty quickly and, you know, wanted like, what I wanted. Like how long would you say the time span was between the time you, say, started started taking pills just – playing around in the beginning to the point at which now you've decided that this is your DOC, this is your drug of choice? I'd say probably within six months. Okay. Uh, I, had, I, I wasn't looking at it from that perspective that this is my drug of choice. Uh, it, it was just something. I, I, just what you liked. It, it, honestly, it made me feel uh, almost more responsible that what I was doing, I was no longer drinking and driving or doing illegal, well, doing drugs that, you know, have a stigma, you know, cocaine or something like that. It was, I almost felt like what I was doing was more responsible and accepted because I could get these from a doctor. You know, there was something. And were you, did you have a legitimate reason to use them at that time? No, no. Okay. I did not. Did you ever have a legitimate reason to use them? Um, according to a doctor I did, it wasn't, I, I, no, it wasn't a legitimate, a legitimate reason, uh, I convinced the doctor to say it was a legitimate reason, but no. I got you. Yeah, I was and never you just used your charming good looks to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. That is the thing, isn't it? You know, and I wonder. You know, I mean, this this is something that I don't know if you can answer this or something rattles around in my head about this, but there there is there a difference between the way uh, a person that's alcohol dependent and a person that's drug drug dependent is there a difference in 
the way they are? Um, yes and no. Uh, it's funny. I, I knew alcoholics before I became addicted and certain behaviors I, I was shocked by. As I got addicted to my drug, uh, it became, I was amazed at how similar. So you did everything. Y- yes. Yeah. I think the only, the, one of the main differences is just, you know, an alcoholic can just take a walk down to the gas station and get, get beer. Um, so, you know, it can be early. Like for me, it was almost like a full-time job. I had to plan out where I was going to get it, where I was going to get the money. Um, if I could walk down to a corner pharmacy and for $10 get a, a bottle of Vicodin, I mean, I think I would have been in a much worse situation, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird thing, isn't it? That, you know, that, well, alcohol can do a, a good amount of damage too, but that's like a more socially acceptable people mm-hmm. kind of, that's fine. There's right. a place on the corner that sells exactly. this drug, but not, not what you were looking for. Yeah, and well, I, I guess what I was thinking about was along those lines, is that that um, the drug addict has to be more focused, more you have to you have to be a schemer, mm-hmm. a schemer and a scammer. You have to do right. that, and I think it, maybe it becomes a part, like almost a part of who you are. Oh, absolutely. Is yeah. that is that your experience? Um, absolutely. There. Uh, I've talked to loved ones in my life and friends when when uh, I have attempted to quit and been sober for a brief periods before um, that uh, one of the things besides just missing the feeling of getting high was the the lifestyle it, it becomes um, you almost get addicted to that uh, you know conning and, and scheming and coming up with things that almost gave me a rush you know at times just um, you know it makes you feel like you're in a movie and you're you know you're living this criminal yeah. lifestyle but um, yeah, you romanticize it, and it's just uh, living the life. Yeah. Yeah. Would you go through the types of painkillers that you use, and the process of them becoming addictive? Sure. Uh, I started. Um, I started with Vicodin, just the five milligram Vicodin. Uh, I would take one of those, and I would feel great for six hours. Um, and then, like I said, I might wait a couple days and wait for a good time to take another one. Um, I stayed with those for probably uh, about a year, year and a half. Um, I, I eventually had to start taking two and then up to three. Uh, and then I also noticed that the, the, t- the time that I was actually feeling good was, you know, from six hours down to three hours. And eventually got to a point where, you know, I would get a little buzz for 20 minutes and that would be it. Um, from the Vicodin, I, I went to Norco's, which is basically just a uh, stronger Vicodin with l- less acetaminophen. Um, I was on the Norco's. I stuck with those for a long time. That's when I had a doctor prescribing them to me, so I stuck with that for a while. Um, and then during that time, periodically, um, you know, at this point, I'd established more friends and connections. So periodically, I would run across some oxycodone or oxycontin 10 milligrams 20 milligrams something like that um and then uh what eventually happened was one of the sources i was getting them from his doctor moved him from vicodin to 40 milligram oxycontin so then i that's when i went to the oxycontin uh and once i went that route um i was i stayed with that for good because when I was taking the Norcos, there's so much acetaminophen. I remember I used to go to work and throw up blood, and it would just it would take its toll physically on my stomach because I mean I was taking 12 Norcos at a time, which is a lot of acetaminophen, and I was doing that you know three times a day, sometimes mm-hmm. four times a day. 
So once I realized um, that I could get the same buzz with the oxys without the acetaminophen, and I, I almost felt healthier, if you, if you could imagine. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, way better for you. Yeah, right. That's, how, that's exactly what I, how I justified to myself. But so yeah, once I, once I got into the oxys, uh, I eventually found 80 milligram oxycontin, and I just went you know back and forth with, with those two, whoever had them. So progressively more powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those are all in. Um, those are all. Is that all? Uh, I mean, in the same kind of family of drugs, like the, the Vicodin, Norco, Oxy, all those. Yeah, there. Are, it's opiates. Mm-hmm. Um, there. I mean, I'm sure they're definitely uh, chemically a little different, you know, in how they're produced. Uh, but yeah, it's it's for me. It was it was the same feeling. Yeah, a little yeah. different. You know, you have your differences here and there, but uh, yeah, basically the same family. How did you get your hands on them? When I started, I had a, uh, a neighbor who was a, a vet, and he had chronic pain syndrome. Uh, he had uh, bottles and bottles of morphine, Vicodin, uh, and I worked with him for a while, and we became friends, and I used to drink with him, uh, and he'd experiment with some other, with cocaine and some other drugs with me occasionally, uh, and he, he came up... That. He, yeah, he, he's since he's passed away, but he was a vet, and he he uh, he would come up and borrow uh, a couple movies from me or ask for a cigarette. And one day he threw a couple on the table and said, "You know, here, thanks for letting me borrow these DVDs. Try these." I said, "What do they do?" He said, "You'll you just help you relax." And you know, from there, uh, you know, once my friends started doing it, my brother, you kind of just established your circle gets bigger and bigger, and you can, you know. Find different old people. Old old people were a target, you know. Mm-hmm. People in pain. That you know. So surprisingly enough, a lot of uh, older people they can't afford to live on a fixed income, and they have these uh, medications from doctors, and they're willing to sell them. So. Mm, okay. Is it? Yeah. And then yeah, and then there's there's also you know the 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 friends medicine cabinet the friends oh yeah many parents, yeah. medicine mm-hmm. cabinets and. Uh, I knew a guy who was a mover, was a pill addict, and he was a he worked for a moving company, mm-hmm. and that's how, that was his completely that was his supply. I did kitchen and bath remodeling, and uh, yeah. I could not tell you how many pills I've taken out of uh, homeowners' kitchens and bathrooms. I mean, I couldn't add them up if I tried. Yeah, I mean, there's just uh, uh, you know, yeah, there's just so many ways. Mm-hmm. There's just so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's it's. It's helpful to talk about, uh, you know, to talk about it, you know, like because people, you know, it's a prescription drug. How did, how did, they, how did they get that? You know, mm-hmm. how did they get them? Well, you know, that's that's how. And if we know how, then we can we have a better chance of doing something about that. Yeah. This may seem silly, but I really want to know. If you take a painkiller when you don't have any pain. What does it feel like to feel high on it? It, you know, it's funny. It depends who you are. Everyone handles them differently. I have people that uh, have taken them and and say they felt nothing. They just got sleepy. Um, for for me, uh, it's tough to describe. Uh, it, it it wasn't really a physical thing for me. It's not like I I took them to get rid of physical pain. It was a mental pain. Uh, the way I felt on it. Um, I guess I would just describe it as I, nirvana. I felt 
relieved. My house could be on fire, and I, I wouldn't, I'd have no stress or not a care in the world. It was just basically, there was, it, it killed emotional and mental pain for me uh, very quickly to where I could just, I could be happy with any situation. When did you know, like, what, how soon did you know you were addicted, even if you didn't really necessarily use that word? <clears throat> um, that's tough because, you know, uh, like I said, for a while I kind of felt like uh, I had taken a step up. You know, uh, these are legal drugs that you can get from the pharmacy. Right. I'm no so longer drinking. Actually, I'm no longer doing cocaine. So you're so. more responsible. Exactly. Right. So uh, I, I'd say within the, within the first year I definitely knew that I liked them too much. Uh, my girlfriend at the time definitely could see that, you know, Within a year, I was giving them to her. Hey, don't give these to me unless, you know, we're going to do something fun. Uh, and then, I, you know, every day I get home from work, you know, let me have two of them. So within a year, I definitely knew that it was something I enjoyed too much. Uh, but it wasn't until I'd say, I'd say probably three years into it and when I really realized that I was not only, you know, addicted, I was physically dependent on them, mentally mm -hmm. dependent on them. Had anybody, had anybody said anything to you up to that point? Uh, n nothing serious. People had made comments, you know, um, that, you know, I'd get, I was, you know, I'd have a short fuse when I was on them. Uh, yeah. Like I said, my house could be on fire and I'd be fine, but if I stub my toe, if you're next to me, watch out, because I'm going to, you know, right. explode on you. But, uh, I mean, people would definitely say, um, they'd have their concerns and mention it, but I had, up until that point, I'd been pretty responsible to where I think everyone looked at it as just he's having fun, he's young, and you know, uh, be careful, you know. But no one really thought it was it was going to turn into the problem it did. Did this is a little this is a little um, <clears throat> south of the border, but did you have drug education in school? You know, if I did, it was. Uh, a, very short period, and it wasn't uh, very impactful because I do not remember it at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it may, I, I, really, I kind of remember the dare shirts, and maybe one yeah. day for an hour, you know. And, Somebody said, don't, yeah, but, don't do drugs. Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely yeah. nothing that, uh, you know, stuck with me or anything. That's funny, isn't it? I remember, yeah, they had those, like, a black car with the red letters yeah. on the side. Yeah. I, remember the, I remember the logo, but maybe Are not. they still around? Still, I think they, they are. Mean? I think it's the car show I saw. I might have. So yeah, saw their, their, their car, car. Yeah. Did did any did were you involved in any of the any of the the, the scared straight type stuff? No, or, no. Would would just just out of curiosity, would scare tactics work on you? <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I think it depends a lot. Like I said, for me. You know, I grew up, when I went to high school, uh, I had friends and peers that were smoking pot and drinking, and I was just straight-laced as can be. Um, I wouldn't have a, a sip of alcohol on New Year's. I wouldn't, people that smoked pot, I thought were just horrible people. Um, so I think at that age, had I experienced anything like the scared straight, I would, at, the, at that time, I was so confident I would never get into anything like that. I think it probably would have been in one ear and out the other. Just been there. Um, but I mean, I'm not, that's not to say people, I mean, I think it could be helpful for, depending on your situation, you know. Yeah. Okay. It might, it might be, but it wasn't. So you were, you were a straight kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. Why, Why were you a straight kid? Uh, my father wasn't very strict, but I was very close with him. Uh, we were like 
very close. We were friends. You know, I'd bowl with him, go golfing. Uh, whenever, when, you know, when I was 17, 16, and everyone was all, else was out partying, I enjoyed that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, more than anything else, I didn't want to let my, my father down and disappoint him. Um, and, you know, I was, I was, I was well-adjusted and happy. I just I didn't really have any need yeah, okay. to, uh, to even go down that route. It didn't, it didn't you know, spark my curiosity at all, really. And, you know, I hope the, the, I hope the listeners hear that because, you know, you weren't a kid. You, weren't, you wouldn't have been a kid that anybody would have been betting would, would sure. be talking to me today sure. yeah. about mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think there, a lot of money would have got lost. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it can. That's something. I've my eyes have been open to that fact that yeah, it can. So any equal opportunity. Oh yeah. Uh, equal opportunity disease. Sure, sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a let's take a fiver here. Let's t- let's take a five minute break. We're going to listen to some music and uh, take a little breather, and then we'll come back. We'll we'll pick it up. Um, what are we What are we doing, music wise, Mr. Uh, Atwater over there? We got a little Santana in the summertime. This is a this is a called Europa. So, oh, okay. Uh, enjoy it. It's about five minutes. So, it, it breaks if you need them, and uh, we'll be back with all of our fine fine listeners in just about five minutes. So, enjoy the tunes. Check okay. us out on recoveryinternetradio.com for all of our past archive shows, or also to listen live. And we'll see you in a few minutes.
Hey, and welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the tunes. Usually we let our guests pick the music, but I think his GPS led him astray, so we had to we had to just <laughs> fill in there. So that was a that was a that was an Atwater pick, uh, and one I believe he was fond of. So anyway, thanks for listening tonight. Uh, we've been listening to Dan and having a good conversation here uh, about a very important topic, uh, something I think a lot of people need to know a little bit more about, prescription drugs, use, and misuse. Uh, check us out, like I said before the break, at recoveryinternetradio.com for all of our past archive shows or to listen live even right now. But if you're listening now, then you already know that. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to it, okay. gentlemen. Let's get back to it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to – I think we're going to – uh, switch formats now to sports. Is that what? <laughs> or do you want to do like a sex line, sex advice? Anything, sure. What do we have? The, the draft, the NBA draft, right? That's yeah, we had the NBA draft. I didn't know either of the guys the Bulls drafted. Okay, so enough of that. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get back to what we were talking about, and then we'll do, and then we'll do sports later. Um, we can save that for next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll save that for next week. Sports on the sports every the, fifteen minutes. The sex advice line after that. Way, way after that. So, well, I guess um, I had asked you just before the break. We were talking about that, you know, scared straight stuff, and we kind of you were kind of saying it might be useful to some people. It wouldn't have been to you. Equal opportunity disease. You were a good kid, um, and probably by anybody's standards, a good kid. Um, would there have been anything that would have uh, anything that would have helped? Anything that would have made the difference? Uh, you know, like I said, when I uh, my my father passed away when I was eighteen, and I started. That's kind of when I started uh, experimenting with certain things. Uh, but I would say that through that process, I always knew that these things. I knew the negative. I knew the downside to it, and I was, while I was having fun and not concerning myself too much, I knew that how much of a problem it could become. I'd say something that may have helped me. I, I, I do believe that there needs to be more education on how serious the pain medication epidemic is, um, because, like I said, I almost felt like what I was doing was was socially acceptable and better than other things. Right. Um, but in reality, it's it's very addictive and. Uh, you know, is up there with the worst, you know, drugs addict as far as being addicted that you can do. So I, I think it had, I've been aware of how serious a habit it was that, that may have helped. Okay. There's a lot of people, and we, we talked about this, and you, you weren't one of them, but a lot of people jump ship because they can't afford the pills, so they, they go to something less mm-hmm. expensive and a little bit stronger, which is heroin. Right. And they start snorting heroin, and, and then, then they want, then they get you know, hooked mm-hmm. up and then they need to do something a little quicker and now they're, you know, doing what they said they'd never right. do and they're mm-hmm. shooting dope and so on and so forth and we're seeing the obituaries from that one, but you never went that route. I did not uh, and I don't pretend it's because I, I had willpower. Uh, it was just, you know, the area I lived in and the people I hung around with, uh, that's what was around and, you know, I I didn't uh, really have the, the courage or the ambition to go looking for that yeah. um but uh i i can i can say that if it was put in my face i i, I don't know if i would have been strong enough to say no to it um well and so uh, yeah i get it that it wasn't a willpower thing it wasn't a it was in a it was just availability and mm-hmm. i'd I say suppose, i got lucky really yeah you know, that, if circumstances had been different it right. could have been different for you 
Um, so one of the things we talked about um, earlier, we were kind of chuckling about how you um, were able to rationalize mm-hmm. your use. And so like one of them is that you, we were talking just here a minute ago about how you saw yourself as more responsible because you weren't using, mm-hmm. quote, illegal drugs, even right. though you were scamming a doctor to get the pill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like a little goofy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) The the, the The logic is a little loose. Yeah, my logic was definitely all over the place. Uh, I get it. It's cleaner, too. It's not like you've got got little baggies around or there's no paraphernalia. There's no... Yeah, when you're going to Walgreens to pick up your drugs rather than the Uh drug dealer on the corner, it doesn't feel quite as as bad, but... uh, Right, and it's pharmaceutical, so you know that there's no impurities mm -hmm, in it, mm -hmm. I suppose. I don't know if you used that one. So what else did you use to justify your use? I mean, you knew you weren't, it wasn't for p- physical pain. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would use that also. I, I worked um, construction basically yeah. my whole life. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I had normal aches and pains that anyone would in that, in that business. Um, but uh, I would definitely come home grabbing my back or my knees hurt, my back hurts just because doing that all, you know, gave me a little added incentive. Well, you know, it's okay to take one of these. Sure. You know, I need it. I'm not, I'm not feeling good. My back hurts or, you know, so <clears throat> there was a million ways for me to justify, um, anytime, you know, there was stress in my life or something was going on. Uh, I, I think when you, when you become an addict and you have a certain mindset that, you know, the world's out to get you and, you know, woe is me. There's a lot of, you know, just mm-hmm. self-loathing and pity for yourself. And, you know, uh, well, I realize now looking back, I had the same problems that anyone would have. Yeah. It's just the way I dealt with them. But when you're dealing with them that way, you have a tendency to just think, you know, the world's out to get me. I have to take these because did my the, life's awful. Did the pills, do you think the use of the pills, like you said, you also said you were, you wouldn't get, a, you wouldn't get, too concerned if the house was burning down, but if if you stubbed your toe, the person next to you would probably get it. Mm-hmm. You'd be pissed off. Yeah. So that's a that's a difference in your normal personality. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's not, that's not normally who you are. Absolutely. Not a short fuse guy. No. Um. I mean, some. It's you know it's it's hard for me to answer that because uh, most of my twenties I was taking these pills. So I'm just now kind of discovering things about myself that, you know, it's, just figuring it out. it's hard for me to differentiate what, what's me and what was, you know, part of the addiction. But, okay. um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't, it was clear to me and a lot of other people, uh, you know, I go golfing with buddies and uh, they could tell right away if I, you know, taken a lot of pills that day or not because, you know, golf whether clubs would be getting broken or, you yeah, know. Yeah, whether or not you're yeah, throwing the clubs. Exactly, yeah. 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 Definitely had a much shorter fuse. Yeah, and so so I guess the point of it is that you recognize that it, it affected your personality, affected your perception, but it's still we're still in the discovery phase about absolutely sure who's, who's Dan and mm-hmm. who's who's mm-hmm. Dan on pills kind of thing. Yeah, because I think that's interesting for people to know is that it's not just the physical addiction. Oh yeah, it, it changes the way you look at things. Well, you said it makes you know you feel sorry for yourself, you have a negative attitude, you have, and that's not normally really. That's not who you are when you're not taking pills. No, and you you know you're kind of in a haze. You know even, you know even if I didn't take pills for a day, um, you know you're you're just in that the entire my my whole twenties I kind of spent in a haze. And like I said, 
being clean and sober makes you realize. I used to always say that um, I would tell my my wife and my family if I had a, if I had a billion dollars and a and a doctor who was willing to give me as many as I wanted that I'd be happier and my life would be great. That, mm-hmm. that it doesn't affect my personality in any way. It's just the fact that I have to pay for it and, and do bad things to get it. Um, but once I I sobered up and and got in touch with who I am as a person, I realized quickly that that is not the case and my mm-hmm. personality. And just you know, emotionally and mentally, just every aspect of what what makes me me was covered by a just a, a haze. Yeah, and you know, yeah, you said you know you felt like people you know people were out to get you, or you saw things that way as if people were wronging you, and mm-hmm. that from that perspective. And that's you know, I think that's pretty you know, uh, I think the term for that is resentment, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's pretty common <laughs> in the pretty common with the disease. So, um, so we talked a little bit about the support of your habit and doing things that that you know weren't good things. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what did you what did you have to do? Uh, I mean, we're talking down the road now when we're when I'm bad. Um, I had um, a lot of borrowing money. Um, when I say borrowing, I had no intention of paying it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of lies. I need this money to, um, you know, I would use people's compassion against them. You know, if I don't, if I don't get this money, I could, um, you know, I'm going to lose my car or I could, you know, uh, go to jail. Exactly. Sometimes I would, uh, depending on how close they were to me, I would just, I would just be honest and say, if I don't get this money to go get some pills, I, I'm going to kill myself. I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. Um, but yeah, I would, I would lie, uh, sell things, pawn things. Um, I was started stealing money from jobs. Um, what were you pawning or selling? Just this uh, um, jewelry, you know, games. gold, gold rings, yeah, anything. Um, I, uh, you know, laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would justify. I would have the intention of getting a loan on it, and I'll be back to pay it in two weeks, and uh, you know. Like we were talked you, about, two weeks goes by. I can't. And you can't pay. Right. Were you working the whole time? Um, there were definitely. I, I was on unemployment for a little bit. Uh, I definitely went periods without having a job. Yeah. 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 You know, so what was it like when you re- when when you were out of money and out of ideas? <clears throat> um, it's terrifying, really, um, because you almost know you can feel that you're going to have to take it to another level. And that's really how, you know, I did keep continuing to go through levels, you know. Uh, another level meaning, you know, okay, yeah, maybe we're, going to, we're going to have to exactly. feel, uh, we're going to have to do Before this. Or I'm just borrowing money, and, you know, right. that's bad enough. But now no one's going to lend me money anymore, so what's the next step? Now I'm stealing money, you know. And yeah, so uh, when you get to that point, yeah, it's pretty frightening when you realize that uh, you're going to do whatever it takes. And here's the thing. I think this would be the... Uh, this would be the drug addict uh, way of thinking is like, I have to take it. So if I don't have the money and I'm addicted to pills, I have to do something more to get those pills. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, you know what? I need to quit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I don't need the money. No. Yeah. My, my friends uh, during this process, all of them had the nickname for me day by day, Dan, because that's, that's (laughs) all it was, you know, um, I've always been uh, terrified to go to jail. I think jail sounds like the worst place in the world. Yeah. Uh, 
and you, you'd think that would motivate me to not do things. But uh, like I said, when you're in that that cycle and you're in the moment, you even if you you're trying to think long term, you, you really can't. It's just a matter of I'll worry about that tomorrow. I need to get, get I through, need to get just today, get through today, you know, and then we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. And that and I did that every day. That's what my life was. Well, and the title of the show, he mm-hmm. took his last pill every day for three years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, so there must have been a point at which you thought, this is my, you know, so when did you start thinking, this is my last pill? <coughs> I, um, well, obviously the last three years. Of yeah. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I started stealing from a job where I got, I, I basically got caught and miraculously, um, conned my way out of it, manipulated my way out of it to where I was a, even able to keep my job. Uh, had it not worked out that way, I probably it's something that may have landed me in jail. And mm-hmm. I called some friends, and I, that's when I said, okay, you know, eyes have been opened. I, what I'm doing is, is way beyond, you know, what I ever, I ever thought I could do. Uh, so I say that's, that coincided with me starting to have problems with my, my girlfriend at the time and my family yeah. and everything – really started becoming, I really was losing control of my life. In those and, last three, we're talking about in the last yeah, three years. Yeah, in the last years. three or four years, yeah. yeah. That's, so that's when I... Um, and we in Oxycontin land now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're in Oxycontin land, and, and uh, yeah, every day uh, I, would, I would buy two, and I would, the first one just to have fun, and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this first one, say my goodbyes to this wonderful drug, and then I'm going to use the other one and cut it up into little pieces and slowly wean off. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, I'd say, well, I could get one tomorrow to wean off, so I'm just going to enjoy this one tonight. This is the last time I'm ever doing it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that happened every day. <laughs> that's, that was my thought process. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and how did, that, how did that feel? Like, how did you feel about yourself? Uh, you know, again, it was such a, it's such a day-by-day attitude that there, were, there would be moments when um, – I would feel horrible about it and say, this has got to stop, you know. Right. But again, that cycle, when I would have those moments, I would just say, okay, well, then tomorrow I'm really going to do it. I'm really stopping tomorrow. This is it. Let's just get through today. Right. Day by day, Dan. Day by day, Dan. Dimeless Dan. (laughs) Dimeless Dan. That is good. Now, did you you do treatment at some point? I did. Um, When I had this issue... uh, I had a job I was stealing from. Um, I manipulated my way out of it, but there was suspicions now. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing it again, mm-hmm. something I told myself I would never do, um, and I was terminated from the job, and that is when I uh, came to my family and basically threw my hands up and said, I can't do this on my own. This is very serious. I need some help. Uh, and so I, did, I went to a 30-day residential treatment facility. And how, how did that how did that work for you? It looking back now, I learned a lot, and there's a lot of useful things that I took from it. At the time, it did not work well. I wasn't. You need to be in a in a in a positive place where you're accepting the help. I wasn't there yet. What I, I was there basically because my life was falling apart, and I had to do something to basically get back to. A point where I could, you know, operate under the radar. This was basically just okay. I'm going to go do this, and I, I probably wanted to get clean and straighten up my life. But mm-hmm. I remember being there, thinking about when I got out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take some just every once in a while. I mean, I, it wasn't. 
I didn't have the right attitude at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you would say, you and looking back on it, then you would say you weren't ready. And people, Definitely. I think people would say, Jesus, Dan, what's it going to take for you to get ready? Yeah. We got day by day, dimeless Dan, yep. who just got fired. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand, but. Many of them don't. Rock bottom is a um, is a very, I guess, conditional. To, it, it's different for every person. And there was, um, I it announced to myself that this was rock bottom ten different times mm-hmm. um, because things are bad enough, like you said. To you, it's. I mean, you would think that would be enough. Yeah. And at the time, I thought it was enough too. But sure. uh, you realize. That you know, thought is still back there. Yeah, and, and I can and, do it once in a while. Yeah, or, you keep I got getting it. away with it, and you know that rock bottom just changes. It gets yeah. deeper and deeper and deeper until, you know, finally one day you you you, for me personally, I hit a true rock bottom, and you know, um, it was just torn down completely. Was was the rock bottom for you uh, due to? Physical, physically measurable things, or was it more of an emotional? Emotional. Okay. For sure. All right. Because I think a lot of people are curious about that, you know, and they, you know, they want to believe you when you say you're at your rock mm-hmm. bottom, and mm-hmm. you probably even believe you when you think you are. Sure. For for me personally, what rock bottom meant for me, any situations that were happening in my life, regardless of how scary, you know how how much trouble I would get into, I was always able to continue the day-by-day, day-by-day Dan attitude and just get through the day. What rock bottom for me was definitely emotionally when, when I lost the support of people I love. Mm-hmm. You know, through five years of dealing with this issue, people were there by my side when I messed up. They'd be disappointed, but hey, we're going to help you. Uh, when it finally got to a point where I could see in people's faces that I was destroying them and they couldn't be a part of it anymore yeah. and started realizing you're going to have no one. And like I said, the way I grew up, like my friends, my family, very important to me. I, I, I care about people in my life a great deal. And that was my rock bottom, realizing that I'm going to lose all these people I love so much. Uh, was that's a, That was a huge turning point for me. Like when they were done with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty scary place. It is. That is a pretty scary place. Um, so, did you ever get this? Uh, this is an, another question, which I don't. Did you ever get into any kind of self injury or? No. Okay. No. Yeah, you, I meant you mentioned at one point that you would tell you told people that if you didn't get the pills, you were so depressed you'd kill yourself. <clears throat> were you Were you really going to kill yourself? There were definitely times when I would seriously consider it as mm-hmm. basically a last resort. I don't know what else to do. My life is so painful. I don't, I, I don't think I ever got to a serious enough point where I would have ever gone through with it. Um, just because I, I don't know. I, I just, my personality that it's just not you. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think I have it in me. I would be afraid to do it really. Right. Um, right. but I definitely, I definitely thought long and hard. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I thought it was my only my only way out. How many times did you do you think that you tried to quit? Um, I mean, like a, a a good try, like an actual motivated try, or just I mean, I would say I tried to quit fifty times. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of those times were just, all right, I'm going to quit. So this person stays by my side or this person's not mad at me. You hold my pill. Yeah, exactly. I'd say I've, um, I've, I've only given it uh, two real tries to where I was just fed up and I wanted to be done. The first one uh, a few months, six months ago, and then this most recent time. Okay, yeah. So it's not like, uh, I guess I asked that question just so people know that it's not, it, this isn't about willpower. It's, it's not. It, you, uh, and I, I struggled with that for a long time, um, being ashamed and, and thinking, you know, I was weak. But you really, I, you really need a lot of help, and you have to humble yourself and understand that um, it's bigger than you, it's stronger than you, and, yeah, willpower is not enough. Is that the difference between then and, and now? That is one big difference, but yeah, that is any definitely. other any other big differences that you would say? Uh, I found um, a higher power this time, which mm-hmm. has made a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some some people that have that I lost along the way are they're still gone. I've lost them permanently, mm-hmm. and um, that's a constant reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think main, the main difference is uh, in the simplest form is just that I want it. It's, yes, it's for me. I, right. I, it's it's a decision that I've made for myself. Right. Finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess just by way of of uh, wrapping up here, um, do you have um, any advice for uh, kids who are out there playing with you know playing with narcotic pills? Um, I do. Uh, don't don't touch them. <laughs> um, it was out there in Oxyland. You know, whether it be narcotic pills or whatever it is, um, the cliches you hear about, you know, that nobody thinks they're going to become a drug addict, you know, no one thinks they're going to end up like that guy, those cliches that go in one ear and out the other, as you go through and live life, you realize that they're not just meaningless cliches. They're said so often for a reason because it really is true. I mean, throughout 10 years of being a drug addict and going through different treatment programs and all the stuff I've heard over and over and over again, I've heard it a million times and it never meant anything to me. And for whatever reason, um, you know, once you're torn down and you, you actually allow, you open your mind up to where you can allow that to have an effect on you, they suddenly, all the things they tell you just suddenly have make so much sense and have a great deal of, of meaning. And yeah, I guess my advice would just be to understand that uh, it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, you, you think it's never going to happen to you or you've got the willpower, you're stronger than this guy or that guy. And, um, but it can really, uh, some, it, it, it can happen to anyone. And it's, it's easy to have hindsight and look back and say, I, I wish I never would have taken that first one. But uh I mean, I can honestly say there's nothing I wouldn't give up right now to go back 10 years and, and throw do, that thing away and, and say... Do it, do it again, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, if I'd have done my homework, I would have known the statistics of how many people who, who start on narcotic pain medication become physically addicted to it. I, I really don't know, but I'm sure that the percentages are higher than we, higher than we know about. Is there anything that you would say to the doctors that prescribe the meds? Uh, yes, I'm glad you asked that question. <clears throat> um, I would say, you know, like my, the job I had, I, 
19 out of 20 houses had Vicodin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pain medication, I'm, I'm a, a few credits shy of my, my medical doctorate, <laughs> but um, I'm sure there are cancer patients or terminally ill patients that are in a, an enormous amount of pain, but I would say to doctors, there is no reason to be prescribed. I think doctors look at Vicodin as something. It's, it's small. It's, it's basically harmless. That's where I got started sure. with just a little five milligram Vicodin, and there is, there is no pain you know, getting wisdom teeth pulled out or having a bad back, take a couple Tylenol, take some Excedrin. I, the risk, the reward is not, the, not the risk, the risk. Is, yeah, the risk is way too much to, you know, yeah, maybe you have to deal with a, a guy with a bad back has to deal with a, a, some nagging pain for a couple of days. It's, it's worth it to not have that sitting in a medicine cabinet where a 15 year old kid can try it for the first right. time, or even, even this 40 year old guy with a bad back, all of a sudden he starts loving him. I, I just I I think there's no reason to for this country to be flooded with with these <laughs> narcotics. I love I like the way you said that. Like, like he he might start loving them, mm-hmm. you know. And that's like it's almost like yeah, that's the that's the uh, uh, that's that's the description of of drug addiction is kind of almost like a love affair with oh, the, yeah. with the drug mm-hmm. and uh, you know dangerous stuff. Well. Um, I think that uh, we've covered pretty much everything that we, we intended to get to tonight, and I'm glad that you've. Uh, I'm glad the, the the light went on. I am too. I'm yeah. glad that the light went on, Absolutely. and uh, I really appreciate you coming and talking about it tonight. I think it'll help a lot of people, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, I think. I hope uh, so. And if I could just say one more thing yeah, about absolutely. just. Uh, anyone that is going through programs or treatment that has relapsed many times and, and really struggled with it, uh, it you're, if you're sitting in those groups or you're sitting in meetings and, and frustrated and don't think it's ever going to work and, and the stuff you're hearing, like I said, is just cliches and you think everyone's just talking to hear themselves talk, if you just keep going, even if you hate it and you don't agree with it, uh, there is a, a chance and a real possibility that one day it's going to make sense to you when the time is right. There will be a moment when everything lines up and you are finally open to that advice and that, that power. And, uh, it's, it's and amazing when it happens. That's what happened to you. For sure. I thought I, NA groups, I, I was, I, this is ridiculous. How is this going to help me? I'm going to use an, I feel statement. I'm not in third grade, you know, I, um, but all of it at once, like I said, when I was finally willing to listen and yeah. humble myself, it clicks and it, it just all made sense. And, uh, you really see, what you know the things they teach and and the advice and it, it, it it's incredibly helpful oh good i'm glad good good advice um so thanks for coming tonight um dan O. and Thank you uh, for thanks for being me. here thanks to our listeners and our studio audience for making making us a su- successful little underground support source for the recovering community we'll email out our reminders next for next week's show uh late in the week usually friday uh, remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com for all the archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list. We'd like to hear from you so we know where you are listening from because we're an internet radio show. We don't always know where you're from. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 7 p.m. next Sunday night. <laughs>